Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silbert Ranch in the North Woods of Wisconsin. And it's another day, another opportunity to have a great discussion. Something that I've come to look forward to every week and something that even my son has come to look forward to every week because he started listening to our episodes. There you go. <laughs> uh, so we have, to, we have to be careful what so, we talk about. So the pressure's on. Yeah, the pressure is on. But, you know, I mean, all the stuff we talk about is biblical truth. And so it I, is. I, I think it's it's good for anybody to listen to some of the things that we talk about. So. What's what you know? As your kids grow up, you're you're. What age are your boys again? Ten, uh, almost well, seven and a half, almost eight, and then six. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I look at them and I, and I see them outside playing and enjoying life, there there's a lot of ups and downs that happen to them at their age. I mean. Oh yeah. Things that happen where brothers uh, say things, beat each other up, uh, and next moment they're hugging each other and everything's wonderful and. Oh, yeah. It, it, usually at least once a week in our household, I say to my wife, we definitely have a house of boys. Yes. You know, she probably says it more than I do, being the only female in the house. Yep. So she experiences. But after about 100 farts in a week. Yeah. You know, um, she's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as I look at young people today, it, uh, I'm constantly trying to think, what can, it, what can we do to help them be um, secure in their future? Right. Because no matter what happens circumstance-wise or, or world-wise, no matter what happens in the next election, God made it so that those who know him and are in his family, they can live in a way that demonstrates that they're secure in mm-hmm. life. And not only secure, but they understand their own significance in it. Right. Um, I think that Satan, what he does is he tries to rip away from us the most important issues of life so that we're bothered completely by it. For example... Uh, if there's there's something that's very valuable in a sports team, let's say I'm really a a great uh, football player, mm-hmm. what'll happen is the other team will watch film on me and try and figure out what is it we can do to this person to slow them down. Right. What's your weakness? Yeah. Yeah. And and some some of the weaknesses are the same. I mean, you can irritate people by getting in their way all the time, not letting them get to the play, trying to get them frustrated. I mean, th- that's typical for anybody. You just got to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I've always asked, being an old football player, is simple. What can I do? How can I live my life in a way that I'm not frustrated, where I don't allow Satan to find those buttons to push? Yeah. You know, I want to live my life in a way that demonstrates that I know that I'm valuable to God. I am valuable to him. And yeah. I want to I live my life in that way and not give anybody permission to steal my value or my worth by their words or their actions or by not including me in something. It seems like so often uh, young people especially are bothered because they are trying to be significant. They're trying to fit in. But somebody says something or does something or electronically they're not a part of something or whatever it might be. And before you know it, they're lonely Mm -hmm. and they're on their own again. They're feeling like they're the problem. Yeah. Um, So I want to start just by reading a verse and, and trying to explain it to you. Those that listen to this know that uh, in our family, my wife went through a, a bout with cancer, and she's doing well. Those of you that have asked, thank you much. But she's doing well at this point, and we're thankful to be where we are. But one of the, the things that we did was to focus on watching birds, believe it or not. Okay. And we did that because the Bible makes it very clear that God cares for us. And if he certainly cares for birds like he does, he's going to care for us. Yeah. And so the birds in our backyard, we have feeders and we have that kind of thing. And we just kind of watch them. And we thought, well, if God's taking care of the birds, we're going to take care of birds too. We're going to help them. 
Yeah, and, we'll squir- get and the by. squirrels along the way. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> this year, I can't figure it out. The squirrels have stayed away, so oh, I'm okay. not 100% sure what. I think they're all at your house. Probably. But the, the bottom line really is uh, we're looking and we're saying, okay, God, if you promise to take care of the squirrels. Yep. I'm squirrels. And the birds. Sorry, I got in your head. You did. I got squirrely If you promise you. to take care of the birds, you'll take care of us. Right. And that comes Luke 12, 7. Jesus said this, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. Hmm. We are more valuable to God than all of his creation put together. You and I are valuable to him. Right. Absolutely. So when you think about that, the creator and sustainer of all life says, Jason, you're valuable to me. Mm -hmm. Do we always live in that context? And do your children know that they're valuable to God, no matter what the situation is out there? Because if I'm Satan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and turn this. Yeah. You're valuable if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. You're valuable if you have money. You're valuable if you're comfortable. You're valuable if, see, I'm twisting it if I'm Satan a little bit. Where oh, God's yeah. saying, wait a minute. Whatever situation you're in, whatever your circumstances are today, you're valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to refocus on that in order to be healthy. And the young generation coming up needs to focus on it because there's there's people all over the place in this day and age right. who are trying to grab their attention and trying to sway them and make them valuable if they're a part of their group or they think like they think or whatever it might be. So anyway, I don't know if you see that with your kids and how easily they're distracted, how easily they start feeling badly about who they are. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you see it anywhere. And even at a young age, you try to teach them that truth, you know, that they are valuable no matter what, no matter what circumstance. But Satan then comes in and, and, and does it all the time. You know, um, even at a young age, it's amazing how Satan just creeps into their train of thought, whether it's the comparison game whether it's the way you treat a different sibling, you know, um, they, they seem to track, you know, what you don't do to them versus <laughs> what you what you do to them or the consequences they don't get and they get, you know. And, and I think all of those um, just show, you know, how much Satan works for us to doubt the fact that we are valuable to God. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, that, that, whole, that whole sense of being valued by God when we start to, to lose sight of that is when we start to give in to sin. Right. You know, because at, at the core of every sin that's struggled with is trying to bring value to ourselves in a sense. Right. You know, you think of whether it's people who struggle with pornography, people who struggle with um, addiction to whether it's drugs or substances or even um, entertainment, entertainment, or, whatever it is, you know, I would say that the, the, it all stems from the way that they're misperceiving themselves and their worth and their value. Right. Um, and they're not believing and trusting in the truth that God created us, values us and cares about us. Yeah. I think you, you outlined a very simple problem. We try and, and grab something that's been given to us. We try and earn it. Yeah. You can't earn something that's a gift. Yeah. For example, um, you know, we were given life, and the Bible makes it very clear that God gave that to us. Mm-hmm. It's not something we earned. One day I just showed up. You know, I was there. I had the parents I had. I didn't get to choose them. I was. There's a lot about the you know just being conceived, being born, being raised by by a rich and joyous wager. You know, you you start looking at that and you go, I didn't have anything to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, what happens through life is somehow we lose focus on the fact that the creator and sustainer of all life loves us. Yeah. And created us and wants us. And we start substituting uh, what other people say about us or whatever it might be. That's why I want to encourage you. When, when your boys are outside, and they're outside a lot because I see them, and you see birds, I, I, I encourage you to stop for a moment. And, and if they're not throwing rocks at the birds, you know, stop and just look at them and say, kids, you know, you know what that bird reminds me of? The Bible tells us that God cares for those birds, mm-hmm. but that we're more important than they are. Yeah. And so that every time they see a bird, every time your kids see a bird, if that little thought would go through their head, yeah. then the rest of their life, when they hear birds, they see birds, all of a sudden it's, it's a reminder. And what's really fun is that there are so many really good reminders around us of, of God's love for us, but we ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we got to stop ignoring that because we're absorbing the wrong message. Mm-hmm. Um, John ten eleven says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. When you start thinking about here's another animal kind of thing, you know, God says, look, I want you to understand how important you are to me. Yeah. I'm a shepherd. Now, God, it doesn't say, like, I need you or whatever else. But when you think about it, God made us sheep. Mm-hmm. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. They have no way to, to make sure everything's right in life. They, they don't have any, it seems like they're a very interesting animal that God created. Mm-hmm. The way that if I'm a sheep, and I am, the way that I'm safe is by just staying by the shepherd. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's the shepherd that needs to care for me, talk to me, defend me. And I'm important enough that he will defend me. Right. And that's what God is saying. We don't understand that. We try and be important apart from God. There is no possible way for a young person to be important apart from God, mm-hmm. to feel important apart from God. And that's, a, that's, a, that's something we have to grasp, and somehow your kids need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the more that you can come along and show them those different truths and different examples— you know, it helps them lay that foundation because as they grow up, there's going to be different influences um, and people telling them what matters in life. Absolutely. You know, and, and especially with, with the growing culture of on demand, you know, right. is what I call it, you know, because right. everything is so on demand these days that that impacts the way that they view themselves. If they can't get it right now, if they can't have that satisfaction right now, then it, it all goes back to questioning their worth and their value. But if if they grow up with a foundation understanding that, man, God loves them, values them, created them, created them before the foundation of the world, like thought about that. It's just like, wow, like it's, it's amazing. The more you just resonate in the fact, and it's not just knowing it, it's really believing it. Right. Um, and that's, I think we're losing sight of that. Absolutely. In our culture today. Um, well, there's too much information. There, there's too much absorbing going on. When you think of the simple, you think of, okay, there's like an apple tree. Yeah. An apple tree has fruit, but the fruit is a byproduct of absorbing all the right stuff. So Mm -hmm. it has to absorb nutrients. It has to absorb sunlight. It has to absorb carbon dioxide. It it goes into the leaves. It turns it into sugar. If you have that tree where it's in the right spot, Mm -hmm. the fruit is abundant. Yeah. A lot of Christians will go and say, you know, I want the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace. That's great. But you got to understand it's fruit. Yeah. You can't go out there and say, I'm going to be loving today and grit your teeth and go be loving. That That isn't the purpose of that. Yeah. What happens is you absorb something. Yep. 
So what we have to do if we're if we're going to be wise in raising the next generation, mm-hmm. what we need to do is really watch what they absorb. Yeah. Because what they absorb will determine either a lack of fruit or it will determine fruit. Yeah. And I would suggest that any parent, when you start seeing a young person demonstrate a lack of the fruits of the Spirit, it's easy to tell them, you need to be more loving. That's fine. The problem is it's a fruit. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to correct that, what you have to do is go look at what they're absorbing somewhere. Right. And see where they're absorbing and what they're absorbing and change it. Yeah. You know, if they're absorbing truth, right. the byproduct are the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So they're absorbing lies somewhere. And remember, Satan in the Bible is called the father of lies, and he's really, really good at it. So his lies are believable. If he's really good at it, a lie that somebody's really good at, you believe. Mm-hmm. So your kids right now are are absorbing things, whether it be in school, whether it be from media, whether it be they're absorbing things. Right. And it very well could be they're absorbing lies. And when you see the lack of fruit, that's mm-hmm. what you have to start asking yourself as a parent. Same with yourself, by the way. I mean, if you're asking that too, um, when you're uh, anxious. Yeah. Anxious is not a fruit of the spirit. You know, so when you're anxious, the good thing to do is go, what am I absorbing? What lie am I believing? And, you know, you could be a healthy family, a healthy individual by getting into the habit of asking that question. Right. Instead of, oh, if I changed the world economy, Mm -hmm. if if the right president got elected into office. Right. You know, then I wouldn't be anxious. Well, that's not really what causes you to be anxious. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible tells us we should be anxious about nothing. Yeah. But everything in prayer. So so that's what it says. So when we're anxious, that's not a fruit of the spirit. We're absorbing a lie. Let's identify the lie and talk about the truth around it. Yeah. Now, that would be an interesting thing. I don't know how early you could do that in life, but it would be interesting if your kids come up and they demonstrate something that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 I think it could be easier than we think. I, I, I started a book. Uh, recently, I've been reading through it, and it actually was talking about this um, in one of the chapters. The book, uh, I think it's called Next Gen Faith. Okay. So Google, I forget the author's name. But, um, you know, you've been talking about absorption, you know, using that word. And, and in my mind, I'm like, all right, to translate to those younger than me, younger than us, think influencer. Right. You know, and, and one of the points he was trying to make in this book when it comes to, like, even discipleship, you know, we look at our culture and we allow people we don't even know to influence us whether it be musicians, you know, musical artists, whether it be movie stars, whether it be fashion designers, you know, we look to them to define the way that we live. And then the question he posed was, do we ever allow spiritual influencers to come into our life? Right. You know, because the way he started off the chapter was, and it caught my attention, is we need somebody in our life that we're spiritually afraid of. And I'm like, what is he talking about? But not in a sense of like fear and like dominance, but like somebody that we look to in our life that's like, wow, look at their faith. I want to be like them. And when they say something, if they say the truth, I have nothing to say back to them because they just said truth. Absolutely. And so to answer your question, Dave, like how do we do this as a culture? I think like even as I look at my boys, I... The younger they are, I control their influences right. to an extent. And as they get older, they start to choose their own influences. And so that's where when it comes to the value of who God is in their life, I have to show them. 
I have to be an influencer or put an influencer in their life that shows them, you know what, you need to see who Jesus is because the problem, I think, with this coming generation is they can introduce us to Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Right. And that's one thing that we failed at, that my generation has failed at, Dave, um, is, is we fail to pass along who Jesus is to our young people. We think that they'll just absorb it by going to church once a week in Sunday school or going to youth group. And we don't model it on a regular basis. And we've talked about that on the show all the time where we just need to make our faith as parents an everyday thing. You know, try to weave it into conversations rather than compartmentalize it into, oh, here's devotion time as a family. It has to become a lifestyle because that's where the worth and the value comes from. That's when the rubber meets the road because if we truly live in a way where we value Jesus, it has yep. to show. Yep. And so if, if I believe it, then I should be living my life in such a way that my boys see that, hey, mom and dad actually like live their life where like Jesus brings meaning to them. Right. Jesus loves them. Right. And so I want that. I want to get to know this Jesus. Yep. And that's that's how we have to do it. It's that absorption that you were talking oh, absolutely. about. Absolutely. I, I think absorption is one of the big things that we've neglected in evangelicalism, if that's a word. Yeah. Um, because it sounds legalistic. Right. So somehow it got on the legalistic list that you shouldn't really watch what you watch on television or listen to in music and that kind of thing because the fact you don't want to be legalistic, God loves you anyway. We're not talking about whether God loves us or not. Right. You know, I mean, there's so many illustrations in my life where I learned that, you know, I can do really stupid things, but the people around me still love me. Yeah. You know, I remember when we got married, um, not you and I, when, when, <laughs> yeah, when Linda and I got married uh, and, and I wanted, we were just married probably a week or it was early in our marriage. And I thought, I'm really going to, you know, we got a brand new dining room table. And I, I said, I'm going to clean this table just extremely well. So I went over to the sink and I found this, this green pad in the sink. And I thought, oh, that'll clean it. Yeah. And I took this green pad. It, it was one of those 3M pads. Yeah. And, and this table was, you know, the top of it was a Formica. Thing. Mm. I mean, I thought it was an expensive table, but for us, it was at the moment. <laughs> and and I went and I cleaned that baby up. And, you know, Linda walks in while I'm doing it like, what are you doing? And I said, well, cleaning the table. Yeah. I want it really clean. And she realized a good heart, really bad idea. Yeah. You know, all of us face that in life. We, yeah. we face people that make an honest mistake. They got a good heart. Yeah. Now, here's what I count on for God. He always knows my heart. Mm -hmm. And he's able to correct yeah. and move me where I belong. I would suggest that anybody that's working with the next generation try and figure out their heart, not just their actions. Their actions can be irritating. Mm -hmm. There are so many times in life where, where I've just made abundant mistakes. But I did them because I wanted to do something right, and I just was doing it out of ignorance. Right. You know, And when you do that... You can get crushed. You can feel like it. When Linda pointed out to me the mistake, you know, I had never really used those green pads before. I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And when she pointed out the mistake to me, she was kind. Mm -hmm. But it was like, oh, man, you know, now we got to figure out how to fix the table. It wasn't, you're a bum. You don't know. No. Yeah. You know, our, our egos and our, here, here's, we need, to, we need to be able to live our lives knowing that the value that we have in life is fixed. In other words, God gave it to us. Mm -hmm. So you as a parent, you get to 
move that on to your children. That doesn't mean that you approve everything they do, but they understand their value yeah. is fixed. They are important people made by God to accomplish something, and that can never change. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take your value away from you. Right. It can't be done. In our culture today, it seems as though people are suffering from all kinds of, of uh, disorientation mm-hmm. because they're, they're either paying attention to what's being said on, on social media, they're, they're lonely from the pandemic ramifications as people are just lonely out there. <coughs> and the, the bottom line really becomes there's people trying to perform so other people like them and want to include them. And they think that that's going to make them happy, hmm. but they're not. Yeah. And we have a generation right now that is most anxious, most depressed, most suicidal, that probably any in history. And most isolated. And most isolated. Yeah. So what we need to do is start looking back at the truth and start allowing the truth to absorb into our life rather than a lie. Here's what I did. And so I just want to read these to you, these different verses. I went back into the Bible and I found some people in the Bible that... Um, God used in a very significant way. And I wanted to know how did they sort out their value? In other words, if I'm going to stand up in front of a crowd and tell the whole crowd they're wrong, I need to know who I am. Yeah. Because they're going to throw eggs at me or whatever else and tell me I'm a bum. And I got to say, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I got to know why. So I start with Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 5 to 8, where it says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Now, Jeremiah says this. So we're seeing Jeremiah's thoughts. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeremiah's going, you know what? I, God, I'm glad you have confidence in me. I don't have any in me. Yeah. All right. That's where we have to stop immediately and say, who are you going to listen to? Yourself, who's a created being, mm-hmm. or God who created you? And then it goes on to say, where God says in verse 7, don't say that, the Lord replied. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And that's the end of that. Now, what, what I love doing in this passage is looking at it and saying, okay, I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not taking the, 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 the edict to Jeremiah and making it to Dave. But there's principles here. Yeah. Here's the principle. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God Almighty is saying, you know, Jeremiah, here's what you need to understand. I didn't make a mistake in making you. Mm-hmm. Your mouth, your your looks, your opportunities, your mom, your dad, I made no mistake in making you. Now, you think about that. Then he goes, and before you were born, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Yeah. Jeremiah, these aren't your plans. These are mine. Mm-hmm. And I made you, you just listen to me, you'll be okay. And he ends up just saying, I, I've spoken, I'm the Lord. You know, there's no higher. So as, as what I find fascinating too in this passage and in every one that I will share with you, God talks about, I knew you before you were born. Right. Honestly, at my age right now, I am totally ashamed of the United States as even our president and our vice president travel mm-hmm. and try and, and minimize the effect of uh, people murdering their own babies, trying to make it women's health care. I, I mean, if you listen to what the Bible says, what the Bible says is before you were born, I knew you. What the Bible says is I'm the one who formed you in your mother's womb. 
the Bible is very clear that that person in the womb is a person. Absolutely. And before they were born, God knew them. Mm-hmm. If I'm Satan, if I am Satan, what I want to do is I want to attack that idea because then every single child that's born is nothing but an accidental blob of protoplasm. Mm-hmm. And they start living like an accidental blob of protoplasm. If you're listening to this tonight, I want you to know something. You are not an accidental blob of protoplasm, that God knew you before you were born, that he had a plan for you before you were born, and there's not a human that should keep you from that. And any time we start mistaking the unborn for a a tissue and and, an unplanned somebody that's a blob of protoplasm, we are playing Satan's game. Mm-hmm. And it's ruining a generation of people who would even debate about it. There is no debate here. Yeah, it's it's bottom line is, and, and in fact, God made it so that we don't want to destroy children. He he basically said you don't get involved sexually till you are married, mm-hmm. and when you are married, you stay faithful to one person. When children come from that, when babies are born from a marriage, then there's a stable home where they're committed to each other, and abortion is out the window. This yeah. isn't what we're talking about. You know, we don't listen to God as a nation, and that's why we're even talking about this in the first place. And the thing that worries me, not worries me, the thing that bothers me is is the fact that your sons are growing up in an environment where this is a dialogue. Right. And I'm looking at it going, this shouldn't even be a dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't kill unborn babies. Right. We don't do that. And when I look at Jeremiah, this is the argument that God gave him. Right. He said, before you were born. While you were in the womb, mm-hmm. I set you apart. Well, we can we can look at another one. If it'll come up. Psalm 22, 9 to 11, David. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb. Yeah. So David understood it. I, I, I am one who was cared for before I was even born and led me to trust you while I was a nursing infant. I was thrust upon you at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for the trouble is near, and no one else can help me. Mm-hmm. He goes back and he says, here's where my strength comes from. It comes from the fact that, God, you created me before I was born. That's where it comes from. Right. And not from the circumstances of life. Um, Galatians 1.15, the Apostle Paul. But something happened, for it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. Mm-hmm. Now, look at what the Apostle Paul went through in life. So how many of these great leaders in Scripture, when things got really rough, what they did is they went back and said, I need to remind myself of truth. Absolutely. Yep. And the truth is, before I was born, God knew me. Yeah. Now, there have been times in my life where things got rough, and immediately my brain now goes to where I, I sit and I say, okay, God, you're God, I'm Dave. And this is, what I'm, this is where I'm going with him. I'm reminding Dave of the fact that God created me before I was ever born. He knew me. He set me apart. So you can come and call me any name you want. Yeah. And I'll go, that's not what God says. And by the way, he's right. 
Right. And that's the kind of prayer and wish I have for your kids as they grow up. And yeah. I, I know we have more we can talk about. I'll bring more verses next time and invite people to you know tune in again to Younger Older, and we'll try and finish this Yeah, if you've hung out with us long, long to know that we always kind of carry on our conversations from episode to episode. And so if you missed part of this one or if you want to make sure you don't miss the next one, make sure you head over to silvertranch.org. Um, and you can check out this episode or download some other ones or go to your favorite podcasting site. It's on all the major ones. Just look for Younger Older. Um, but I really encourage you to think about what what you're absorbing and what you're allowing to absorb. If you have kids, what you're allowing your kids to absorb or, or even influence, whatever terminology you use, you know, what is influencing you? And is truth, biblical truth, one of those things? Because you need to have that. Unfortunately, we're out of time here on Younger Older. This is Jason and Dave. As always, we look forward to talking to you next time and joining in conversation. Take care. Bye-bye. See you next time.